Hello everyone, welcome back to Hearts Ablaze. Today we are speaking with Donna Schlegel, who has her master's degree in music and human learning from the University of Texas at Austin. In addition to being a wife to Jeremy and mom of four kids, Donna is a professional musician and vocalist. She shares with us about her experience directing and playing music for a parish, along with the joys and challenges that come with that. And we all share some of our favorite hymns, so we definitely recommend you check out the links in the show notes to find some great pieces that can really enhance the beauty of the Mass. And with that, we hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, so I have, um, I went to Ithaca College and I got my bachelor's in music education and I went to the University of Texas at Austin after teaching, I taught in Virginia for two years and then went to the University of Texas at Austin and got my master's in music and human learning because it's UT Austin. We can't just call it music education. It's music and human learning. Ooh, fancy. Cool. It yeah. Is. yeah. So I met Donna through the Catholic choir at West Point. Um, she took over as our director for a little bit. Um, and it was really cool to uh, listen to her expertise about that and just the way that she worked with all of us. Um, we'll get into this in a little bit, but lots of times when you're doing church choir things, you kind of have a weird assortment of people's voices and instruments that you just kind of have to work with and figure it out. Um, and it was really cool to see how she used her experience and her creativity to uh, make beautiful music for mass from that. Um, so before we get into the, the weirdest, she had oh, what? sorry, Mary. Also, yeah. And then she had to deal with cadets and crazy cadet schedules and <laughs> she did it. She did it all. And she was amazing at it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, so before we talk more about music and making music for mass, um, we'll do a little bit of an introduction for you, Donna. Um, so first, tell us a little bit about your faith background. So um, I've always been Catholic, and um, it's always been a really important part of my life. So I've always tried to make sure you know, that I'm going to church regularly, but there definitely was a point um, probably after Jeremy and I got married and before we had kids where we weren't necessarily always going regularly. But then once we started having kids, we kind of dived back into the faith and, and we really started diving into learning about our faith. Um, and I think a lot of it, there was, I think, a huge Holy Spirit moment um, at Most Holy Trinity at West Point where there was just a lot of faith opportunities, of faith, faith learning opportunities going on probably about eight years ago. And we really started to take advantage of those things and we dived in a lot more. And I mean, now it's such an important part of our lives um, and we spend a lot of time trying to learn more and share it with our kids. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I remember, so I obviously met you from choir, but I think the first time I really talked to Jeremy and depth was when you guys did the presentation for the marriage prep class on finance. And that was oh, really yeah. cool because I feel like not a lot of Catholic marriage prep programs hit on that. Um, and it was cool too because like you guys talked specifics like hey meet you know once a week to talk about it one just like an at-home date and one like uh you know going out for dinner date um and talking about it and so that was cool like nice practical tips but then also just general principles about 
like understanding each other's tendencies and stuff that's just generally good for your relationship. Um, so it was really cool to see how you guys had like grown and matured in your marriage and your relationship with each other as this like battle buddy team. And I think that was really inspiring for me and my husband. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Like, you know, when you get married, it's like you might not have it all figured out right away, but you're going to grow together. And yeah, I just love seeing that with you guys. Well, thanks. We definitely uh, haven't been as good lately. And so we're trying to dive back in because we're seeing the effects of that. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy's been taking care of most of the finances and I don't know, I've been taking care of kids. Maybe that's what it is. But anyways, so we we need to get back into and we started trying to last week. It was a very good conversation to finally have again because it's important to keep that first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So kind of speaking of like schedules and prioritizing, can you tell us what a typical day in your life looks like? So when you uh, sent me the questions in advance, I looked at that one and I was like, oh gosh, how do I answer that? So I asked Jeremy, right? Because of course, you know, you bounce everything off beforehand. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, well, basically your day is typically running after children and fixing their emergencies. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. That's really not what it is. So this was on Tuesday night. We had this conversation. Wednesday morning, the toddler, I usually wake up with the toddler because he um, ends up coming into bed at some point. And if I wake up before him, he doesn't sleep. So whenever he wakes up is when I get up usually. Mm -hmm. So he woke up. He went outside to start playing and I go to go check on him. He's carrying around his poopy diaper. There is poop on his pants. There's poop on the patio. There's poop on the fire truck. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I bring him in. I start to clean him up. And then while I'm cleaning him up, my older son is playing with slime. So he's playing with the slime. I'm like, oh, that's nice. He's playing with slime. I get Jojo cleaned up. I go to clean up the rest of the poop. And in the whole process, I wind up flooding the laundry room. And both boys end up taking, there's like four containers of slime that my kids have made. All of the slime winds up all over my eating kitchen. And literally it looks like my kitchen has been slimed. So that that was all before nine o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. So I think he was right. I typically just run after children cleaning up their emergencies. (laughs) I would Um, love to be one of those who has a good routine. Um, I I would really like that to work in my life. And I keep thinking, because I used to, before having kids, I had, you know, I would write schedules for myself every day and I would follow them. It just doesn't happen anymore, but I do homeschool the kids. So we're getting back to that. So maybe that'll help. We'll see. Yeah. I think that did help my mom a little bit, um, the homeschooling, but I know too, like when I first moved here, so in flight school, I had all this free time. And then when I came here, suddenly I didn't. And it's funny you say like running after children and fixing their emergencies. It's like, for me, like my soldiers are basically my kids, like running after them and fixing their emergencies. It's like, it's not everything I do, but it's a lot of what I do. And so I was talking to my priest in confession. I was like, I feel like I haven't been, you know, well, I know I haven't been prioritizing prayer, but it's because I get up first thing in the morning and it's like, okay, I, you know, have to do all this stuff to get ready for work. And then, you know, I don't get home till 12 hours later. And I'm just like, oh man and he just said you know have some grace with yourself because different seasons of life you're going to have like different amounts to give but that doesn't make like the relationship any less like obviously still invest time into it but just like give yourself grace for this season your mom homeschooled you she so we were kind of in and out you know military family moving around 
Um, But yeah, so she homeschooled us for a couple years, but then with the little kids, especially with COVID um, this past year, she Mm -hmm. homeschooled and then they're going back to school this year. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It was was a COVID decision where I was like, well, I might as well have control over what my schedule is and might as well make it up myself instead of having to follow someone else's schedule. But we're going to stick with, we're going to stick with it for one more year and then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a year by year thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I might get into music a little bit, but um, Donna, what's something that you bring to the body of Christ that is unique or that God uses in a special way? So yeah, this is definitely, I, I think music. Um, and I'm so grateful that I've found ways to use it and incorporate it um, and share it with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then bringing kind of your calling with music into your vocation um, with marriage. Uh, how has God surprised you by your vocation? I never thought I'd be home with my kids. Um, so my, my plan, you know, 12 years ago, we'll say I, you know, let's get married. Let's have kids at some point, which we were married for um, five years before we had Ellie. Um, and so let's, let's get married. Let's do all this stuff. And, and, you know, but after we have our first kid, I'm going right back to work. So I kind of already was starting to think though, maybe that wasn't going to work. And I ended up taking an extended maternity leave with her. I was home for seven months with her. And um, when I tried to go back to work, it, it didn't, it didn't work. Like all of the money that I was making was just going to pay for her childcare. We couldn't find good childcare for her. Nothing was working. Um, and we kind of realized that God was calling me to stay home with her and then after that, you know, we had added three more kids and I've just realized that being home with them and then finding ways to still have creative outlets for myself, like getting to sub at churches or getting to sing for weddings and funerals is, is important, but that the kids are, are really, you know, the most important thing right now and taking care of them. Um, and I also really have found myself lately really spending time even more time investing in them. And I've actually backed away from a lot of other volunteer things that I used to do um, in order to really make sure that I'm preparing them to be great Catholics as they get older. I love that you have like family as a priority, which is like, obviously what God has called you to right now, but that you're still finding ways um, to be creative and to like have your creative outlets, um, which we've kind of seen. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, just some stuff on, on Catholic, like social media circles where sometimes people push like, um, family life over everything else. And then even in, um, like certain circles outside of social media, it just seems like women need to either, yeah, women need to like be in the home and focus on family and you can worry about yourself later. Um, but I love that you're prioritizing your creative outlets as well. Yeah. You really need to have a balance, I guess, in it. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad that I've, I'm able to have those opportunities because not everybody has, you know, the chance to just say, oh, look, someone needs to sub this weekend. Sure, I'll sub or nope, I can't sub for you this weekend. That doesn't work for everybody. So I'm glad that I can. Yeah, that's cool, too. And like Jen Fulweiler talks a bit about this, about like trusting in God's timing um, and how, uh, you know, your family's like an orchestra. And so sometimes the violinist stands up and plays and sometimes it's time for them to just like sit down for a little bit. Um, and you know, as long as you are making some time to invest, but like, depending on the needs of the family and where the 
the music is going, you know, you may um, put more or less actual time into it, but kind of like we were talking about with prayer in different seasons, you know, different yeah. amounts of time are appropriate, but that doesn't make the contribution any less. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Donna, what's something you wish we talked about more in the church? Just that so, like had more visibility. I think um, there's two things. I think NFP should be talked about. Natural family planning should be talked about more. Um, and I, I think more than just, oh, NFP is a good thing, right? But making sure that people are educated about what natural family planning is and how to go about doing it, that there's options on how you, how you approach it. Because um, I really feel like it's just not something that we spend enough time talking about with others. I mean, I went in to our marriage not knowing anything about natural family planning at all um, and eventually learned about it a little bit later. So um, that one. And then also faith formation, because I think in general, the church recognizes that we're, we're not doing a good job with our faith formation, but we still haven't really hit the nail on the head yet on how to fix faith formation for our kids and even for adults, right? Um, and how to continue that education as we're getting older. I think there's some great tools like formed we use a lot in our house, um, but getting it used, getting things used across the board and getting everyone kind of on the same page with learning about their faith. I, I just don't think we really have a, a good plan on that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like with, on both counts, like NFP, it's like birth control, don't do it. And then they're like, NFP, do it. And it's like, cool. How? And like, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even know all of the different methods, um, let alone how they worked. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah so well, just what's, what was weird to me as like a single woman learning about, or like just starting to ask questions about NFP is like everyone. Yeah. It's like, like people talk about how great it is or like their church's NFP awareness week and all this, but like no one talks about like the financial cost involved. Like yeah. that was like, I was shocked when people were talking about like, oh yeah, my NFP instructors. And then people were telling me like how much money they shell out to like learn certain, um, technique, the word, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Method. Yeah. Yeah. Method. I was just like, oh my gosh, you have to pay for this. What? Like that yeah. was just so weird to me. Um, and that the church doesn't really, or like individual parishes don't really seem to have any kind of like financial help for families who like can't afford an instructor. Like right. that just, that's bizarre to me. Like you're asking them to do certain things, but like, we're not actually supporting people to be able to do said thing because of the financial barriers involved. Like that's right. Wild. Right. Yeah. Like the Marquette method is one of the most effective for postpartum, but the monitor is like several oh, hundred awesome. dollars. And if someone's just had a kid, like, Ooh. And that's Why not we... covered by insurance. Nope. Ooh. Yeah. So uh do better, church. Um <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like that's definitely something individual parishes could not that the individual yeah, parishes hundred percent going on. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in that and we'll talk about that probably in another episode, but that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Dollars. Yeah. Right, well, oh no, not seven, but several. Like, okay, like, like two or three, I think. I think I found mine for about 100 to 120 when I got mine. Okay, okay, good deal. Good deal. But yikes. But, but, still. And sometimes you can find used, 
like on Facebook, sometimes there's people selling them, but it is, it's definitely an expense. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. But there are cheaper ways to go. Yeah. Right. But like not as effective or like there's time involved. So there's still like a cost. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, oh yeah. And then faith formation. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. And I think some people are like whole family catechesis, but then it's like, okay, but military families, like one parent is gone a lot of the times or even like both possibly for Evan and me. And then like moving around to different posts, there needs to be a standard so that you know, some people do confirmation in fifth grade, some do it in eighth grade, some do it like junior year of high school. So, you know, moving around, it can be kind of an issue. It's definitely getting churches on the same page with that. It's not to say that they're not trying. I think that they are. And I think actually with the military archdiocese, I, I, I definitely think that they're, they're definitely trying. It's just, I think that we need to be talking more about it. And, and I think there's more that can be done. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now we'll get into talking more about music. So um, you shared a little bit with us about uh, your education and expertise, but just tell us a little bit about how faith and music work together in your life. So I really, um, I can't separate the two, I realized when I was thinking about it. Um, They kind of just go hand in hand together. So um, I guess, I don't know, my dad always sang in the church choir, um, as a kid. And so I was about seven and I started trying to sing up in the church choir with him, but they weren't quite as flexible as our church choir is. Um, and I was specifically told at the age of seven that I was not allowed to become a member of the choir, which was very sad. Um, and I was not allowed to join until I was, I think maybe a freshman in high school. So I did, I, you know, but I would still go up with my dad sometimes and sing. Um, but when I was in high school, I joined the church choir and I became a cantor. Um, and I remember, thinking um my father so my father had a beautiful voice and he did not go into music and he wanted both of his girls to go into music because he really felt like he missed out on something by not doing that so both my sister and I ended up majoring in music um but anyways he really wanted us to perform and I I, I'm not a performer that's not my thing I really don't like performing except I was cantering and I realized that that was what I wanted to do making music to serve God was what I wanted to do but I kind of, you know, tucked that on the side because it wasn't something, I was only a vocalist at the time. Um, I played piano, but I wasn't really very good at it yet. Um, and so I kind of just tabled that idea of like, oh, let me, you know, make music and make that be, making music for God be kind of my thing. Um, I was always hoping that I could find a church choir director job. There are some churches where you don't have to play organ and you could just be a church choir director. Um, and so I was hoping I could find something like that. And then over time, I had the chance to take some organ lessons um, here and there, and I kind of started playing organ more and realized that maybe I could, you know, play organ. And, and now I'm, I'm so fortunate because I, I get to do what, you know, 20-something years ago, I kind of had this little glimmer of a dream of maybe someday I could actually make music for God, and that could be what I do. Um, and that's, that's what I, I get to to do now, which is awesome. So I, I definitely think the two things are are hard to to separate apart for me. But then it's a challenge too. So we uh, went to mass a few weeks ago, someplace else, and the music wasn't very good. Um, and so that's a challenge because then when you go to mass and music is kind of what you do, and you hear music that's not so good, um, it's just a little bit more challenging. 
And not necessarily because I, I don't like people who aren't good musicians. I, I really don't have a problem with that. I love working with people who aren't good musicians. It's totally okay. It's more of, um, it just, there's always room for improvement. So it's just hard to listen and, and hear when it's not necessarily the best. Maybe it's, you know, poor music choices or poor tempos, you know, it's, it's anyways. So it's great to have it be a part of my faith. And then sometimes it's challenging. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I think sometimes people don't realize how much work music is because on the one hand, like, especially with singing, it's like, okay, I, I always have my voice with me. It's not like I'm carrying around a trumpet case. Right. Um, but like the work that it takes in choir, like there's a reason we rehearse for an hour and a half, four times a week with the Glee Club, like yeah. making everything precise and making good quality music is hard and you have to learn how to listen to other people um, as an accompanist. You have to learn how to follow and, you know, deal with singers, awkward timing sometimes. Um, I know you were great <laughs> about that for us. Singers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's not like you said, it's not that the, the music quality could ever take anything away from the worth of the mass, but it can just be distracting when it is your craft. Like think about an artist who has spent years perfecting their brushstroke technique. And then they see this like picture of the blessed mother. That's just really amateurish and kind of ugly. And you're just like, Ooh, like I know that's mom Mary, but it's like, it's, it's the whole thing of like, a bad Christian book is still a bad book. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think yep. Thomas Merton <laughs> said that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and and these things like art, beauty, they're supposed to draw us closer to God. Like, beauty is transcendental, and like it can be difficult when we're supposed to be in mass and we're surrounded by things that aren't beautiful. Like that, like that's just true. And like, maybe yeah. that's something else we need to talk about in the church. Um, but just that there is like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but some things are more objectively beautiful than other things. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing to say, Hey, this music actually doesn't draw me closer to God. Like, I, like, I think that's not, not a negative thing. I know there are some people in my circles now who like are like hesitant to, to criticize anything about the mass because we don't want to be seen as like, a mad rad trad or something. It's like, no, 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 no. The mass is valid. It just great sometimes. Like, like it's like, that's an okay, an okay statement to make. Um, but yeah. yeah. I remember this parish I went to um, in Alabama sometimes and they would have like the life teen mass, which like life teen is great. No hating on life teen, but they would have like the drum kit and like the guitar and it was all sitting right in front of this massive organ that they weren't using and not that like organs are always better but like organ versus drum kit like it's just it's a little distracting for me um that's you know one of those challenges is, is the mass the mass is not ordinary right the mass is extraordinary what happens at the mass is a miracle and our music should reflect that and so yeah drum kit all of that stuff that that's nice because you think you're drawing the people in but you're not really serving the mass then um and you really need to you know the music should be 
that we use in mass, it, you have to really make sure it's really truly sacred music, right? And so that's actually one of the challenges, I think, um, for church musicians in approaching music sometimes with their parishes, right? Is mm-hmm. like make sure, you know, oh, you want to do that piece? You know, have you looked at the lyrics to it? it it's kind of heretical, right? And that, I mean, that happens, right? We have pieces in our hymnals. Our hymnals mm-hmm. have pieces in them that are heretical. In Christ um, alone, so, the wrath of God yeah. was satisfied. Yeah. And everybody's screaming it at the top of their lungs because it's a nice melody, but you're just it's like, nice. penal substitution theory. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think it's really important with the music um, to really make sure that it's, it's sacred, right? And it's separate from, it needs to be separate from your everyday for the mm-hmm. same reasons that dress up when you go to mass or maybe you might veil, right? All of that's to keep things special and separate. Um, And the mass music should be the same. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really important, like as someone who contributes to mass and people probably feel like this, like as a lector too, um, there's an element to which like you lose yourself in it. So I love how you talked about, like, it wasn't about performing, Like, I remember for me, when I first started cantering in high school, actually, the only way I could get the courage to walk up there was if I pretended I was in a soundproof box with me and God. Like, there was just this soundproof glass box on four sides all around me. And, and it was cool, because like, I pretended that was happening my very first time cantering. And then I walked out and one of the guys on my hockey team stopped me after mass. He was like, Mary. He has such a nice voice. I was like, oh, that's nice. He was like, normally I fall asleep during mass, but when you started singing, I woke up. I was like, oh. Stop it. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I, I hope you. that's a good thing. I hope you woke up for the right reason. But, you know, like, yeah. So, and it's, there's an element to like recognizing. He said, oh, you have a nice voice. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like there's a talent here that I can contribute, but, you know, with, like, the parable of the talents, like, you're investing it so that all of the glory can come back multiplied to God. Yeah, so we kind of hit on, like, balancing our desire as musicians for excellence with this understanding that, like, the sacrifice of the mass is not any less valid. It's just that um, our attraction to the transcendentals makes it more difficult for us to perceive the transcendent nature of the mass when we don't have beauty kind of tying it all together. So you talked about this a little bit already, but what are some kind of unknown difficulties in producing liturgical music and how can pastors or like other people in church ministry help alleviate that? So I think there's, there's two challenges that I I can really think of and you know, keeping in mind, I haven't worked full time as a church musician um, in a long time, right? It's mostly what I do now is subbing. Um, but honestly, I find one of the challenges is just the equipment. I think um, churches are willing, you know, once to invest in an organ and then they're done because organs are not cheap. Organs are expensive. But there's a local organ that I play on that was from the 1960s. And half of the speakers don't work on it. And unfortunately, it's the side where the council is. And the other side of the church is where the speakers sort of work better. And so trying to get a good balance and a good blend 
it's impossible when you can't hear what you're playing. Yeah. Um, and you know, and this has been an issue. So I, I've been playing at that church off and on for almost 10 years. Cause my, my oldest is 10 now. So, you know, it's something that they know is an issue, but nobody has stepped aside and said, Hey, you know, let's start uh, figuring out a way that we can fundraise to get a new organ or looking there's sometimes there's churches that close and they're getting rid of them. So, and it's not just organs. Sometimes it's sound systems and, and, you know, we start to have issues with speakers and things like that. And I think um, it's a huge expense just like the rest of the upkeep of a church is, but I think it's an expense that sometimes gets overlooked because um, I've definitely played on plenty of bad organs over time. Yeah. Yeah. Having a good sound system is really important, especially for your like more elderly parishioners or even for like the moms in the cry room, like being able to hear and understand what the priest is saying. And then, you know, there's the music too, but even just being able to hear the words of the mass. um, I really think that can't be underestimated as a resource. Right. Definitely. And then then the other thing I'd already mentioned, you know, the the challenge of the music and just being willing to have those conversations with your pastor and and with your parishioners about, yeah, I know you really like that song, but it's not really the appropriate song for the mass. That's a, that's a tough thing to do too. Yeah. Like you said, because you want the, the lyrics to reflect the readings. Um, Yeah. It's hard to not stick to the same three songs as well, because Sometimes as musicians, like once you you master a song, you know it really well, it's like that's the easiest thing. And so then when parishioners are like, well, can we mix it up or change something different? It's like, well, you know, they might not always see how much work goes into that. Like I remember when we uh, did the Mass of the Angels for Advent. And if anyone's not familiar, that's the one where the Kyrie, you sing it like nine times or something and there's all of these runs like it's just like going up and down and it's like buddy the elf sitting in the store like and you know how you fix that mary you just become an alto and then you have four notes (laughs) oh my gosh have you seen like the soprano versus alto roast meme yeah yeah it's like it's like oh how do you know when like uh an alto is or how many altos does it take to change a light bulb and then it's like none they can't reach that high and then someone responds (laughs) how do you know a soprano is at your door she can't find the key and doesn't know where to come in (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah (laughs) no i just i remember that being like so funny like me and mary were like friends and uh we but we like never talked to each other at catholic choir because we sat on opposite sides of the choir loft and didn't like face each other but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah good times. but oh yeah that also reminds me like uh do you remember when we did the macy's um fourth of july fireworks show yeah yeah so they recruited the West Point Glee Club to provide basically background music for the um, Macy's 4th of July fireworks show. Cool. Um, Yeah. And, but like, so as college choirs go, we were decent, but like at the end of the day, we're all just 18 year olds who are obsessed with 
Hamilton and Pitch Perfect, at least speaking for myself. And so they brought in some ringers and one of those ringers was Donna. So that's where, when I knew that Donna was legit because she was the one that was like keeping it all together for us and kind of showing us how it was supposed to go. Like Donna is very precise and like, yeah, she's just, she's an excellent musician as well as an excellent vocalist. So yeah. No, but this has been, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Do you have anything oh, else? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to ask, what are your top three hymns or liturgical musical works, if it's like an instrumental piece? Um, sure. And why do, you, why do you like those? Um, so my hands down, probably one of my pieces of music is Ein Deutsches Requiem or the Brahms Requiem. Um, I had a chance to sing that for the first time when I was 15 or 16 years old at the Chautauqua Institute. There was a adult choir that um, my father was singing in and I auditioned to sing with them. Um, and I've gotten to sing it at least two more times after that. And, you know, some people only get to sing that ever once in their lifetime. So I'm just, I've, I really, uh, really love that piece. And it just, I think because I got to sing it with my dad and my sister sang with us too, um, because we all got to sing it together. It's just is a really special piece for me. Um, and then in terms of playing organ, I really enjoy playing Oh God Beyond All Praising. There's an arrangement that we play that has, you know, those interludes in it. And it's just, it's really fun. And I can play it because my organ skills are still like, I call myself a baby organist, right? So I can play that one and I get to play loud and it's really fun. Um, and my favorite hymn is, I know that my redeemer lives, but the Duke Street version um, is my absolute, one of my absolute favorites. Mm. Awesome, man. Beautiful. Yeah. So that kind of takes us into our uh, final bit here where we recommend something that's been bringing joy and spiritual fruit into our lives. So if you want to go first, Donna, just tell us something else, whether it's a song, a book, a podcast, a food that's been bringing you joy. So it's not exactly a thing. Um, It's actually camping. Um, we bought a pop-up camper. So I guess it's a thing. We bought a pop-up camper um, last year during the pandemic. And we spend, I would say, three quarters of our July this this year out in the pop-up. And I just absolutely love it. I love getting to go out. I love hanging out with my kids out there. It's, it's all just awesome. So that's my thing that brings me joy. Yeah, I loved going camping. And I think like sometimes people think you can't do that stuff with little kids and like there's obviously a lot of logistical planning that goes into it with diapers and pull-ups and everything. Um, And don't lose the toddler because, you know, you don't want that to happen. Not that we ever. (laughs) (laughs) Toddler definitely has wandered, but he always comes back or someone gets him, thankfully. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know camping definitely brought a lot of joy into our lives, especially when we lived in Alaska and there were all these options. So definitely check out and see what's around you while the nice weather is still here. Um, So for me, I'm going to recommend, since we're talking about music, the Anima Christi. I need to look up the arrangements. I think there's different arrangements because the lyrics are taken from the prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, but it's basically anima Christi, sanctifica me, corpus Christi, salva me, sanguis Christi, inebria me, aqua lateris Christi, lava me. So spirit of Christ, 
Sanctify so me. Oh. Huh? I think it's Marco Frisina. Marco Frisina? I think so. Um, it's hard for me to tell right now doing my quick search on it, but I think that's who it's by. It's so it's a recent, although the what we I'm assuming you're thinking of the one we sang in choir, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like it's an older chant, but it's actually recent, recently composed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the one. I'm not positive. Keep- yeah, I I really love that one. I think for some reason, maybe it's because I'm kind of a melancholic temperament, but I really love minor keys and um the the harmonies that come about in them it just it really stirs your soul especially with the words of that one like once I learned what the words actually meant like you know blood of Christ inebriate me or wash over me and water from the side of Christ cleanse me like it's it's really a transcendent piece and something that was really cool is the Catholic choir at West Point surprised me with it as the communion hymn for my wedding. Um, I didn't, I wasn't planning that, or I at least wasn't planning on them singing it. I kind of thought like when I planned my wedding music, I just kind of gave it to the organist um, who was Emily Lapisardi, who um, took over after Donna um, as our main organist. Um, And I didn't realize that she called in the Catholic choir to come sing that. So that was a really special surprise. And for me, that's just one of those pieces that really produces prayer for me. Brother Brother Isaiah of the CFRs has a really pretty English version. Have you heard of that? Have you heard of that one, Mary? I don't think so. I've heard a lot of his stuff, but I so think there's some new ones I haven't heard. No, this is old. It's in his first album, Shade. Or not his first album. It's one of his first albums, mm-hmm. but it's called Anima, Anima Christi, but it's it's in English, but it's um beautiful so you should go listen to that one yeah yeah um my recommendations i don't know if i've recommended this before but um icons as we're talking about beauty i know we talked a lot about like 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 audio beauty but um i my podcast listeners can't hear this but you guys can see it because you're on the zoom call i have an icon wall in my house oh i love it um yeah and so i recently like uh uh, it's the, I bought the, a lot of them. I can't speak. I bought a lot of them from uncut mountain supply. That's like, um, one of my friends is Greek Orthodox or she's no, she's not Greek Orthodox. She's Byzantine Catholic. And that's where she gets a lot of her icons. But so like these two are from uncut mountain supply and they're very good, gorgeous quality icons. Um, my Theotokos is Theotokos joy in all sorrows, which is like, great. Um, and then I have Christ greeting Mary Magdalene. So like, I love them so much. And I have like, yeah, just a little prayer corner and, um, just knowing I have little windows into heaven, like in my house, um, is just like so peaceful. And then everyone who comes in has like told me like how peaceful my apartment is and just how like they just, they sense this spirit of peace. And I'm like, I don't want to be weird, but I want to be like, yeah, it's the icons. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so definitely like if um like bringing beauty into your life icons are a great way to do that and uncutmountainsupply.com best place to get them awesome those are beautiful thank you i feel bad for the priest because like every other day for like a week i was bringing in like three icons i was like hello father can you bless these please and he's like 
yep. And I'm like, I have more. And he's like, are you hoarding them? And I'm like, no, they're going on my wall. And he's like, okay. I'm like, this poor man. <laughs> well, I have some Christmas gift ideas, even though it's <gasps> August. That's, you know, yep, icons make great gifts. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Donna. This is so fun. Thanks. Yeah, I it was so really good to talk to you. To catch up with you guys.